Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. I am Kelly Patrick. Joined this morning by both Brian the Insider and Mike Gandolfo coming at you from 10 till noon, as we always do, talking all things in the world of sports. Plenty to talk about this morning. Um, we'll start out with a, a tribute to Scott Weiland, who passed away this past week, the front man for a few different bands. Uh, but most notably Stone Temple Pilots and Velvet Revolver. So we're brought in with a Stone Temple Pilots song this morning. We've got plenty of, of topics we can discuss, ranging from Louisville's historic offensive output yesterday to just all sorts of news in the world of college football yesterday. Uh, but we have Brian and Mike are both on the line with us. How you guys doing this morning? Doing wonderful. I'm doing great, man. We appreciate you. I'm doing fantastic, actually. We appreciate you both both uh, getting on here with us. We actually have Mike on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, which is 502-384-1450, while Brian is on Skype with us. So um, a little bit of role reversal. I'm sure role reversal is something you guys aren't too foreign to, is it? <laughs> no, I guess no, not. I guess uh, we're flexible, right, Mike? We're flexible characters. Absolutely. Uh, we got to start the show off, though, I think, with congratulating both uh, male on winning the 6A football title for Western Kentucky, winning the Conference USA title, you know, going 10 and 2, or 11 and 2, I apologize, 11 and 2 in their, uh, in their season. And uh, Western looking really strong. And uh, probably, uh, you know, Jeff Brown, I know, is saying that he wants to be a Hilltopper uh, next year, but I know he's going to have a lot of job offers thrown his way. That's yeah. a, it's a great topic to start things off with. Realistically, what do you guys see um, on the horizon for Jeff Brom? What kind of a, a, a job, uh, how big of a job is Jeff Brom legitimately a candidate for? Well, I, I, I think it's a great way to start the, the show. I think he, uh, I don't know, I think he may stay for another year and uh, wait for another opportunity. I think, uh, I think you know, um, there are some opportunities. I think the South Carolina job's still available, but I, I, I think that's rumored to be pretty much uh, getting filled. So some of the prime jobs, I know he was a candidate for the Virginia job, which has gotten full, uh, filled by the, uh, I believe it was the BYU guy, at $3.5 million. So I don't know. i, I kind of starting to think that he may stay and, and maybe really probably should stay and, uh, uh, you know, build his resume up a little bit and uh, and get better prepared so that when he gets the job, he stays with it. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays for one more year at Western. Mike, what do you think? We still have you on the line with us, Mike. Looks like we may have dropped off. Uh, Mike, for the time being, dropped off with us. But uh, Brom, you know, I, I think he's developing. He's coming along. He's a, a Petrino protege. He, he coached. I'm sorry, he played in the NFL under a Bill Walsh system, so he's got the pedigree. Um, it's just a matter of what job will be a good fit for him. You know, and, and what's kind of, Kelly, what's what's good about Brom, I've been reading, you know who he really credits as his mentor is, is not so much Bobby Petrino, but he seems to be talking an awful lot about his days playing for Howard Schnellenberger and then one year coaching under Schnellenberger. So he really acts like Schnellenberger is the guy that really has uh, instilled upon him his ability to take a Western program and to really put it on a national stage. And they have. They're ranked. Uh, they looked very impressive yesterday. And it looks like they're going to be going to uh, Miami, to the Miami Bowl, which is a great destination. And, you know, while we're talking about Western, we got some fifth-year transfer rules that came up this week. 
Uh, and the, the biggest one, of course, was the Kentucky quarterback Patrick Towles saying he's going to transfer from UK. Uh, and then also shortly thereafter, Will Gardner saying he's going to go. He's graduating in December from Louisville, and he's going to go the fifth-year transfer route. And then I start thinking about Western for both of them, going back to Mike and I's uh, year-long debate on you know the best quarterbacks in the state. And before either one of them had a shot to go to Western, former quarterback Tyler Ferguson announced he is enrolled at Western and will be a fifth-year senior there. So a lot of interesting stuff going on with the quarterback front right here in the state of Kentucky. And uh, um, what's your thoughts on that, Kelly? Golly, that's exciting. Tyler Ferguson, many believed, was going to be the, the front runner, the front runner for the, he, the, the quarterback job at Louisville this past year, um, going to Western where they've got everything in place. And continuity-wise, they, they've got the same system going now for, what is it, Brian, uh, three, four years where, where yep. Bobby Petrino, they put that system in, and Brandon uh, Dowdy really reaped the benefits and, and it took advantage of his opportunity within that system uh, quite a bit this year to put up big numbers. So we'll see if Tyler Ferguson is um, is is going to be the benefactor of, of that system next year. So I think that's very exciting. Um, the Western job, I think, you could argue – uh, when it comes to low pressure, high ceiling, they're Division One. I. I mean, they're going to play. They had a big game, big win yesterday, comeback victory, and the, you said they're going to play in the Miami Bowl. So I think that's a great job. I think uh, Brom would be smart to stay there for a little bit. I mean, hell, uh, Jim Harbaugh and John Harbaugh's dad made a, a hell of a name for himself at, at Western Kentucky, and and there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in in building a program, and and especially if it's close to where you're from. And we know Brahm is a Louisville guy. Uh, maybe he'll be there for for the the long run, and that will do. I mean, what what type of impact could that have on the state of Kentucky in entirety if we legitimately, for the long run, have a a, a program uh, that is on the way to being elite? I, I think that would be huge, and I think he may just stay right where he's at. I, I don't know. I know that dollars uh, speak volumes, but I mean, he he knows better than anyone that if you Take a job like Charlie Strong did or, or like, hell, Bobby Petrino did when he left Louisville and went to the, the Falcons. Or, you know, every, every time you, you take a risk like that, it's just that. It's a risk. And, and let's and, not forget about the risk Coach Schnellenberger took when he left Louisville and went to Oklahoma and failed miserably before he landed and started the program down at Florida International or Florida Atlantic. I forget which one that was. But, you know, so you're right. There's a lot of risk when you leave and, uh, you know, there's on the message boards, there's a lot of speculation that uh, that he what would happen with Brom, uh, a diehard Louisville family. His brother obviously played. His father played. You know, they're from Trinity. What would happen if, as I believe, Stoops, days are, you know, it may not be this year, maybe next year. But I don't think Stoops is a long term solution at UK. What would happen if, if UK came knocking? For for Brom, you know, and a lot of a lot of spirited debate on the message boards about that. You'd have to think he'd have to seriously take a look at it. At this point, Western is obviously well, Louisville's not ranked, so so they're they're ahead of Louisville right now in the national polls, and certainly ahead uh, momentum wise than UK in football. So that's a real interesting thing there. But uh, I'm really curious to see if Mike knew where where any rumors is that towels may be going for his fifth year. And cause there was some, a lot of speculation that Gardner is looking at going to Western. Uh, so maybe he'll compete again with Tyler Ferguson. 
Uh, and I and I'd read where that you know just speculating that that could have been an option for Towels. I would love to see where he uh, is looking to go, and I'm curious if Mike's got any. UK insight on that. For the next segment on the show this morning, we'll have Mike on, but the, the phone connectivity uh, wherever Mike's at is not working the best right now. Uh, bringing up Howard Schnellenberger as being Jeff Brom's primary inspiration and the guy he credits with all of his, his uh, foundation for his coaching um, is very interesting. Imagine the phone calls that may be happening between those two guys and the insight that Howard Schnellenberger would have uh, uh, from his time as not only the head coach at Louisville, but he played at Kentucky. He, he, he left. Um, at one point, he actually left Miami um, to go to, what was it, the USF? The USF oh, yeah, big USFL, big deal, big contract. And uh, that did not work out for the whole league. But, uh, yeah, he, you know, uh, a star at Flagey High School, the now uh, former Flagey High School in Louisville, All-American at UK, uh, and and then is largely credited with putting saving Louisville's football program, which was about to close when he got here, and 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 building it and and putting it on, you know, allowing it the foundation that got it eventually into a Power Five conference like the a, a, ACC. So uh, yeah, and there's no that's that's obviously why they call the football complex out there Snellenberg. It means a lot to Louisville, uh, but uh, he is a he is a former UK All American, and uh, he by the way I, I keep talking about it he. He did not like the game getting switched to the end of the year. He thought that that was going to potentially ruin either his alma maters uh, or Louisville's one of them shot one day if they had a special season going on. Uh, those rivalry games are so tough. So, uh, you know, at 4 o'clock today, Kelly, we find out where everybody goes in the bowl games and a lot of speculation that Louisville will uh, go right down the road to the Music City Bowl. Uh, my father-in-law told me that three weeks ago, and I hadn't heard that. It looks like... Uh, uh, they'll be going down to the Music City Bowl, which is, excites a lot of fans. That's a first-class bowl. And right now, the speculation is uh, an SEC opponent. Uh, and I'm hearing either Arkansas or maybe Tennessee. Wow. So uh, two good opponents that Louisville could look at if they do. The other one is the uh, the Sun Bowl. Uh, but but obviously, no one's really pulling for that because it's a long way. Plus, it, it's played at the same uh, on the 26th when uh, the UK Louisville basketball games played, and in, in the and the other one is not. The Music City Bowls played on an, another day. I think that's on the 29th or something. So, um, be interesting to see what happens. Hey, one other thing I want to talk about. I don't know if any of your listeners could call in and give their insight into this, but boy, Louisville had a big game this week against Michigan State that they lost. Played very well, but uh, they lost. And uh, and kind of really, in my opinion, blew a real opportunity to beat a, a, in a hostile environment. But the thing that came out of that game the most uh, that has really made the Louisville fans irate were comments made by and Kelly helped me with it was Dan Dan Dan, Dan Dockage who who is Dockage. you know he he's known for playing under Bobby Knight. He did a great job of guarding guarding Michael Jordan back in his playing days. And he he he's was a formerly a head coach, but he's based out of Indianapolis now. Um, and he's polarized himself from in the past, primarily the the Kentucky fans. I mean, he's had an ongoing spat with Matt Jones for years, and they don't like each other. Um, maybe they do today. I don't know. But he has a history of really saying negative things about the Kentucky program. Well, you're well, right. He sure took a shot. He sure took a, 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 a in my opinion, a cheap shot. Uh, it's it's fine and it's it, and it's necessary uh, where Louisville's at with their scandal to to bring it up, but you just can't bring up one side of it, which he did, 
and and said that Jurich has really missed an opportunity to fire Patino. Then went on to say that Patino wouldn't stay, you know, uh, uh, you know, would immediately be rehired by another university. So I don't understand that. Uh, but uh, really upset a lot of fans. Well, Bob Valvano yesterday, who has also been in the crosshairs with a lot of fans because he immediately took the same position, as did you know Terry Miners, uh, Tony Vanetti. Uh, these guys have all been uh, very critical, and I feel uh, you know let it let it play out, get some more facts. But they have been they have not given Rick uh, the benefit of the doubt to say the least. And uh, Valvano came out yesterday during the. Uh, the Louisville massacre against Grand Canyon and uh, tried to make amends with Louisville fans, tried to take uh, Dan to task on some of his comments, kind of came up, I think, a little little late, a dollar short. Uh, so, But at least it was an effort on Valbano, who has supposedly gotten a lot of heat locally for his comments, and a lot of Louisville people uh, really don't understand why he's still doing the Louisville games uh, and how Patino would even, you know, uh, you know, want to do an interview, which I haven't seen him do. Uh, but uh, su- suffice to say, I don't think we're going to hear uh, Patino anymore on uh, Miners or Tony Vanetti show. No, and there's a shift. This is something that it goes right along with, as the owner of our station, Dugan Ryan, would say, playing the hits. People want to hear us talk about college basketball, so we'll do that. But uh, an underlying story this year, and – uh, obviously it's it's not so hidden, is the scandal at Louisville and the way that the not only nationally the press that the Louisville basketball program has received, but the negative attention that many people within the Louisville media have applied and, and given to, to Rick and the program. It's resulted in Rick handling his obligations with the media in just a very different way than he ever has. He has Ralph Willard come out and do the post-game press conferences for the most part now. Yeah, now he did do, Rick did do yesterday's, uh, but I watched the whole press conference and, and, and he was he was guarded. I think part of the problem there, Kelly, is that he, Rick has gotten a lot of heat from the NCAA. Rick, as we all know, I love listening to his press conferences, but he has a very difficult time, you know, he, he holding really go on a rant. Yeah. And, and, and he's not allowed to speak about this investigation and, all right, looks like we had uh, a little bit of connectivity issues. We'll get Brian right back on in just a moment. But uh, very interesting. Kent Taylor is the one who now does the Rick Bettino show that you can watch every every uh, Saturday morning on uh, Wave 3. So the, the main local access television show, uh, Wave 3, that for years has had Terry Miners and, and – uh, some of the more popular local personalities interview Rick Bettino. Now it's the director of the, the sports department for Wave 3, which is Kent Taylor. So I don't know exactly uh, what that says, but I'm not, a, uh, you know, we're not shying away from talking about it here on 1450 WXVW. Please give us a call, 502-384-1450. Is Rick Bettino handling this situation correctly? Um, and how will it impact the regular season and the postseason capabilities of this Louisville basketball team this year. So that's certainly a topic that we want to discuss this morning. Obviously, college football um, is something that we can talk about all for the entirety of the two hours. We have no real significant shifts in the playoff picture uh, after yesterday's action. We have Clemson, which will go against Michigan State, Alabama versus Oklahoma, which will most likely be the BCS matchups. Uh, Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line is 502-384-1450. We would love to hear from you. We're going to head to a break. We'll be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Stay tuned. 
Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Brian the Insider this morning coming at you to talk all things in the world of sports, specifically college football and college basketball are our topics this morning. We'll get to our NFL picks later in the show. Uh, but we are brought to you by CageCaster.com. Matt McCarthy does a great job of providing local MMA and boxing um, promoters with CageCaster, a way that you can watch these events all across the country or the world. If you are not able to be in attendance at a local MMA or boxing event, go to CageCaster.com, figure out how you can watch these events. Very affordable, about 10 bucks. you can watch uh, what is, in effect, a pay-per-view on CageCaster.com. We want to thank Matt McCarthy and everybody involved with CageCaster for allowing us to be on the air here. Brian, at the end of the, the previous segment, I, I alluded to Rick Pitino's handling the media differently. And he's you're right. He's not doing interviews with the same old guys that he's done in years past. He's been here for 13 years, and now he's going through his second big-time scandal, let's call it what it is, uh, of his tenure. And going forward, my question to our listeners and to you, Brian, is how is this going to impact the regular season and the postseason for this Louisville Cardinals men's basketball team? Well, Kelly, that's the million-dollar question, and nobody really knows yet until this investigation runs its course. Uh, you know, I, I think everybody, unless you really hate Louisville or you really hate Patino, would, would, would find it unfair, that, especially with these two fifth-year seniors transfers in, it would be a shame if these, if this particular team uh, did not, you know, got a bowl, you know, got a, I'm sorry, a uh, tournament ban. Uh, so I, I don't know. That's the real question. It's really going to be predicated on what comes out of this investigation. But, uh, you know, I, I think going forward, Louisville could obviously lose some scholarships and stuff like that. I do not think, and I've said it since day one, I do not think it's going to cost Patino his job. Uh, it's, it could very well, you know, tarnish his reputation and, and that kind of stuff. But I don't, unless something comes out of this thing that's uh, much more significant than what we've seen, I don't think that uh, uh, Patino is going to lose his job. And I don't think Jurch uh, or Rams is going to back down uh, from Patino's support. What do you think of on the court? So let's put the, the scandal to the side. Did you watch the game yesterday? Oh, man, it's very impressive. I, I tell you what, you know, as a Louisville fan, the first thing I had to say about yesterday's game, especially the start, was why didn't Ray Spalding get to play more against Michigan State? I mean, he he, he started out very – he started yesterday, his first start, and he looked very good. I think it was in direct response to Patino being very uh, angry with the way Honest covered the three. If you watch that Michigan State game, Yeah, there was some defensive lapses, certainly. There sure was, and, and Honest really was to blame for most of that. So uh, that's I think that's why – uh, Spalding got the start, but man, there's a lot of players on the team and, uh, you know, Lee and Lewis continue to impress. I mean, you know, the, the, the amount of leadership that they bring to the team and scoring and everything else is, is, is been off the charts. I don't think anybody really expected that. So I think the sky's the limit for this Louisville team. I mean, they're, uh, in a year where there doesn't appear to be a dominant team as, as our listeners know, Kentucky lost a tough road game at UCLA. Uh, so uh, I guess Michigan State, who beat Louisville, looks to go to number one. And they're clearly beatable. Louisville should have beat them. I think Kentucky could beat them uh, on a neutral court. Uh, you know, so Kansas Kansas beat Harvard by – Kansas is ranked fourth. I think Kansas beat one at home against Harvard yesterday by seven or eight points. So it's wide open. And Louisville, everybody knows Patino's teams play defense. 
but but he has never had the length that this team does. Uh, Kelly, this is a long team, and he's got a lot of players. One other note I'll make on the Louisville team. If they think Nanu's a lottery pick, then I should have been a lottery pick because I just can't see. I mean, he he has a lot of development to go. His body looks bigger. He's He's got the body, but my goodness, he is nowhere near ready for the NBA. Yeah, he, he has shown flashes at times of being that big body you would like, which I think is a good thing. And the fact that we have depth, I say we, the Louisville program has depth inside is huge. Race Balding coming on. I think the rap on Race Balding right now, Brian, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that he shows up against some of these lower-level competition-type uh, teams. But, but how is he going to do against in the prime time against a, a Kentucky or a Michigan state or somebody well, like he that. He had an opportunity and it's very difficult to show up when you're, when you're on the bench. So, I mean, I, I just, I just kind of, you know, this team's got so many, so many players that are near the same in ability. Uh, you know, w- when you got a race Spalding and you've got an honest and you've got a, a Nanu and you've got a mango, I mean, you can only play a couple of them at max, a couple of them at a time. And then when Dangadel gets back in that rotation. So, you know, I'm not being too critical of Patino uh, because you can't play everybody, especially you can't play every four and five. But uh, I would have liked to seen, and I and I thought it during the game, I would have liked to seen Spalding play more against Michigan State. What do you think of the development of Donovan Mitchell? You know, Dean, Dean Adele has been out with injury, and Donovan Mitchell has came on strong. He had a big game yesterday. Only put, He actually played 22 minutes, scoring 13 points with seven rebounds. What do you see as Donovan Mitchell out on the wing, his potential this year? Well, the first thing I see, Kelly, is just a wonderful attitude. I mean, I can't tell you. I know Patino talked about it all summer and all fall now about how great a group of guys these are, but uh, you can see it with Mitchell on the court. I mean, he seems to be the quintessential team player. So, uh, you know, and and just a freak athlete, good size for for one or two. And uh, but I think he's going to be a fantastic player. He's got great hops. Uh, he can stroke to three. Uh, I think, you know, he's going to be a great role player this year, but he's going to develop into a fan favorite and maybe one of Louisville's, you know, uh, potentially one of Louisville's all time great players if he stays four years. Wow, that's quite the statement. You know, uh, we're talking about the post from yesterday. Honest had the defensive lapses against Michigan State, but he came through and he actually had four block shots in only 14 minutes of play yesterday. He's shown some glimpses of being, uh, you know, on the Rick Patino show yesterday morning, I heard Rick uh, compared him uh, to somewhat to a version of Gorgie Jang. What do you think of that comparison, Brian? Wow, that, that's, uh, I watch Gorky a lot at night in the NBA, and he, he's backing up Carl Anthony Towns now and doing a very good job. That's high praise. Uh, I don't know, uh, I, you know, that's, that's very high praise. Gorky, I think, was the, the, the heart and soul of that championship team, and no way Louisville wins a title without Gorky Dang's development. So that's, that's really good praise. I, w- I would be hesitant to take too much out of yesterday's win, as Rick pointed out over and over again in his postgame comments. That was a Grand Canyon team that had to travel from west to east which Rick said during his days in the NBA is very difficult to do. They played a tough game Thursday, so and then they had a 12 o'clock tip-off on the East Coast, on the you know Eastern time zone. So that was not – it was good to see Dan Marley, the old uh, you know Phoenix Sun NBA great. Uh, he's coaching that team. 
uh, and, and that program's on its way up, but that was not much of a test for Louisville. And, and unfortunately, the rest of this December schedule is not going to be much of a test for the Cardinals. They, uh, and some of the national media people really have been on other cheap shots. I, in my opinion, maybe I'm hypersensitive, but on Louisville's early season schedule, I think most teams' early season schedules are pretty weak. But uh, they have uh, – uh, Jeff Goodman and some of these other guys have really said that it's a joke, Louisville's early schedule. But believe me, it'll get hot and heavy quick enough once the calendar turns to 2016. Brian, I know you not only follow the Louisville program, but also the University of Kentucky. What do you see as the, the ceiling for this Kentucky team? I think it's a great Kentucky team. I think it's a uh, – uh, I think a lot of people may be hitting the panic button way too early with this. When you have the kind of guard play Kentucky has, uh, we all know guard play is what really advances you in March. And uh, I haven't seen two, you know, in my opinion, uh, the Harrison twins uh, did not allow Kentucky to reach its full potential the last couple years. Uh, Tyler Eulis is a fantastic player that sat too much last year, in my opinion. But uh, the other two guys, and, and, and the Matthews guy, he's not even hardly getting as much clock. But, and I think, that, I think the big guys will come around. The Australian guy needs to come around because of his size and bulk. Uh, but uh, Sky, I think, will be fine. I think it's going to be a late-developing team. But uh, little, uh, Kentucky's not going to be challenged too much uh, in the SEC. It, in my opinion, the SEC does look, with the exception of Vanderbilt, does look weak again. So uh, they'll fly through that, but I think the time is on Kentucky's side, and I think it's going to be a very, very good team come March. But I will, and maybe the truth, maybe this will fire the truth up. I would like to know, if you're an IU supporter, what Tom Crean has to do to be on the hot seat. Are you kidding me? I mean, if, if, if IU's last three or four years, if that had happened at Kentucky with Cal or at Louisville with Patino, they would have been gone. They would have been fired. I cannot. Crean has really, really underperformed. And the knock on Indiana's team this year, and especially their guard play, is no defense. That's coaching, Kelly. What's your thoughts on the IU program? It's absolutely amazing how uh, long the leash is. It's such a proud program. I think Indiana University has five national championships uh, on, you know, championship banners hanging. Louisville has three. I don't know why uh, Crean gets so much support and why he's give, being given so many chances. Basketball's different than football. I think you can make an argument that it, I'd be more susceptible to buying an argument that Stoops should stay as the head coach uh, at Kentucky football before I would buy that Crean deserves to keep his job at Indiana. I, I would agree with that. I mean, he's had far less time. And you look at the amount of talent that Crean's put into the NBA, and you compare that to the talent that Patino's run through Louisville, and there's been no comparison. Uh, Crean has had much better NBA talent th- than Patino has, and Patino has far outcoached him and appears to be doing it again this year. But, I mean, man, what a disappointing and pathetic loss to Duke. What a poor effort. And, and defense's effort, and when you got a guy like Yogi and Blackman, two very good athletes that just are really become laughingstocks nationally for the defense – that's effort, and that's coaching, and I think that's if I was an IU fan, I would be very concerned. I know they had a lot of high expectations. Mike's spoken a lot this year about you know what they had coming back, but wow, they're in for a long, long, tough season, in my opinion, and, and I would not be surprised if they do not make the tournament. 
No, I, I agree with you completely. They have games coming up. They face off against Notre Dame on Saturday, December 19th. So they've got tests, and you're right. They've, they've still got talent. Yogi, uh, Blackman, uh, Troy Williams. Uh, I mean, but oh, they've got a lot of talent, a lot of talent. And that's the problem. That's the frustrating thing. I tell you what. I, you got me going on the, the best team in the state. Of course, they're the, in the NBA. But how about the Pacers? Uh, now, they have lost two. They lost an overtime last night out on the West Coast. So they did lose their last two on the West Coast swing. But they're one of the hottest seven and three in their last ten. Fourth in the East. They got up as high as second in the East. But really playing good ball. Larry Bird and Vogel have really done a nice job. They started 0-3. They really revamped their team. They went to small ball. But I'm going to tell you this, and I said this yesterday, and this is, this is a big statement, but uh, I, I don't think if you put Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and uh, Joe, Paul George, I think I'd take Paul George right now. Wow. I know that's going to get a lot of criticism. A lot of people think I'm crazy. But go back and look at what he's done so far in this early season. You wouldn't take I mean, him over Steph Curry? Probably not. Uh, probably. I don't know. He's 6'10". He, I think he got 45 last night. I think he's, I think he's probably, I don't know. He, is, he has been very difficult. And for those viewer, those people that, that are going to you know, laugh at that comment, go watch him. I mean, he has really been impressive. And he's got such great size, and he really actually starting to look a lot more like LeBron. He's gotten a lot stronger. Uh, obviously, LeBron's still the premier player in the league, but I would just do that in the fact that LeBron, we all know the body, and Kobe's proved this, is, is about to break down. And, and I don't think LeBron's going to be able to do it at the level that he's done it. And Anthony Davis is a freak athlete and a great player. I'm just concerned with the, the record of the Pelicans uh, that it hasn't been better. So, uh, uh, and, and, and this Paul George, this Indiana Pacer team, uh, which is really doing well and I think going to make a lot of noise in the East this year, has been 100% because of Paul George. You twisted my arm, Brian. I guess we can continue talking about the NBA. The Golden State Warriors are 21-0 and um, in three games. I'm sorry. Uh, on Today at 6 o'clock they play at Brooklyn. Tuesday at 7 o'clock they play at Indiana. That's when the streak stops. I said it about a week ago. The party's over, Golden State. You're going to lose at Banker's Life, and it's going to be a nice run. But I tell you what, if people don't think they're going to go 72 or 10 or better, I think they're wrong. I'd take that bet right now. I mean, they're very, very good. Uh, and uh, all kidding aside, that should be a good game at Banker's Life. Uh, they'll, they'll be a favorite to beat the Pacers that night. But I would not be surprised if the Pacers do end that streak. But uh, man, oh, man, uh, what we're seeing is unprecedented out of Golden State. If they keep this up, Brian, we'll look past the Indiana Pacers game on Tuesday, and let's go ahead and jump straight to Christmas. If the Warriors can win their next seven games, they'll be 28-0, and we will see a Christmas Day matchup at 5 p.m. Friday, December 25th, which is Christmas, in Golden State against the Cleveland Cavaliers. What a, wow. What's the magnitude of that game? Wow. I, I, who's going to throw up the ball but to start the game, Santa? Is that going to be a Santa tip time, huh? I, I mean, come I, on. That is, that's a gift made for NBA fans. That, that is a gift straight from Santa. So, yeah, that's going to be – is that in Cleveland? It's at Golden State. Oh, well, I don't think that will be much of a game. I, I, don't think, I don't think this is the best. Now, I think they'll round into form, but this isn't – this Cavs team, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to go on, and I know Ashley will, 
really not like these comments, but uh, I think LeBron's not going to get a title while he's in Cleveland. And in the route of Cleveland, the mistake on the lake, as I like to call it, and my Bengals will go up to the mistake on the lake and, and pound the Browns today, by the way, and hopefully push that stadium and their fans into the lake <laughs> after the game. Wow. Those are certainly strong words coming from our man Brian the Insider. I'm Brian- not a fan of Cleveland. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, well, so you are predicting that the Warriors lose Tuesday yes. at Indiana, Indiana, you know, at Banker's Life um, Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. So Tuesday, December 8th, it's on NBA TV. But, I mean, this is one of the bigger storylines in the, the world of sports that I can remember is that Golden State is is on this uh, undefeated start to their season. They're 21-0. and uh, they play today, like I said, at Brooklyn. Nobody thinks Brooklyn's going to beat them, but that's at 6 o'clock. And then they play Tuesday. We're in, I'm in Indiana as we speak. So we're in Indiana-based station here on 1450 WXVW. How big would it be for the U.K. graduate head coach of the Pacers, Vogel, and this uh, Larry Bird-orchestrated, um, Paul George-led Pacers small team? Small ball is what they're calling it. They went small. They put Paul George, who was a two-guard, They've now put him in the four, and uh, so it's it's a whole new thing that Larry the Legend devised, and uh, it, it's working. But the thing, the reason I think that they can beat Golden State Tuesday in Indy is because they play defense. The Pacers play defense, and they're one of the few teams that really get after you defensively. And uh, Golden State's not going to have. Uh, you know, they're not going to score 120 points like they do against some of these Western Conference opponents that they play. Uh, this is going to be a slower game, and uh, I think the Pacers really have a shot. It's a good Pacers team. Uh, you know, they don't have a dominant big man, but uh, they don't have big boy Roy. Uh, boy, he's been a bust out. They shipped him out to the Lakers, and man, oh, man, how how sad is it what's happened to the once prize? Call it sad or call it uh, strategic. I think that they're clearly bombing the season, and Kobe Bryant is angling for a, a high, high-paid position within the Lakers organization, a la Magic Johnson. That's what they do in, in uh, you know, Los Angeles, is if you stay there your entire career like Magic did, like Kobe is going to have done, uh, you'll get a good position within the organization. And if they can... I guess bomb and get this guy out of LSU. I guess that's their strategy. Is that right, Brian? Uh, he would be the number yeah, one overall pick. Got to feel bad for guys like uh, Julius Randle, you know, who came in from Kentucky, a top player. You know, you got to feel bad for uh, Russell, uh, the uh, Ohio State Louisville native that went. I mean, you know, I, I think it's sad what Kobe's doing. He's clearly lost his skills, and instead of having the grace to let other people play, he's still starting. He's still taking all the shots. He's still getting his $27 million, which is fine. But, boy, I mean, you know, have a little more. I mean, they're, they're th- they've won three games. They're not competitive at all. They, they, by the way, they lost to the 76ers, who hadn't won in I don't know how many. It, 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 they hadn't won this year, and it dates way back to last year. Uh, when they so I mean they couldn't even beat the 76ers who is really probably maybe going to go down as one of the worst teams in NBA history so I mean what we're seeing the disparity between the top and the bottom in the NBA has never been so obvious I mean nobody's run the table at 21 and 0 I don't think has anyone got to 21 and 0 Kelly no this is the best start in the history of the NBA and then you've got the you've got the 76ers who are a complete joke and and, and the Lakers who, as you've suggested, 
are doing this on purpose. So, I mean, that's a sad state to be in. And uh, I think Kobe uh, is doing irreparable damage to his, uh, in my opinion, to his reputation. Brian, we appreciate your insight on the world of college football, college basketball, and the NBA. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your weekend. We look forward to hearing from you next Sunday from 10 till noon here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. Have a great rest of your weekend, Brian. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. All right. We're going to head to a break. Mike Gandolfo and I will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. I am Kelly Patrick. Joined now by our man Mike Gandolfo. How are you doing this morning, Mike? I'm good, man. Really good. How are you doing? Doing great. Appreciate you bearing with us there. Um, uh, no problem. We Some phone issues. An so. extended um, presence by Brian the Insider this morning. I want to encourage our listeners uh, to give us a call on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, 502-384-1450. We're actually going to head to the buzz line now where you guessed it. Tr- I think we got truth on the line. Let me see. No, it looks like truth dropped off. Okay. Well, c- truth, uh, if you're listening, call back in. I know he wants to talk about our, our – Verbal attack on Tom Crean this morning. Is that what happened? Is that what you and Brian were talking about? Well, we were talking about that. We were talking about how Brian is predicting the Golden State Warriors will lose on Tuesday when they travel to Indiana to face the Indiana Pacers. (laughs) I don't know about that, but we'll see. (laughs) But if they don't, okay, so we'll go with that. We'll go with that theme, the Golden State Warriors. Um, If they don't, and the Warriors can win their next seven games, so they'll be 28-0. Are you aware, Brian, or I'm sorry, Mike, that Mike. we Mike, <laughs> that we will see a Christmas Day matchup at 5 p.m. in Golden State, but Steph Curry and the Warriors against LeBron James and the Cavaliers. Man, that'd be so that'd be super nice to watch. I, I mean, mean what what a, what is the magnitude of that game? Absolutely. I mean, um, I tuned in for a little bit Friday night and watched uh, LeBron take on Anthony Davis. Um and uh, it's just, you know, this this is a different NBA season. And, again, I think we've said it before. It makes a difference when the best player is actually a good, like a good basketball IQ guy. He's not the most athletic guy in the world, but because his basketball IQ is so high and he's so good at what he does, you know, to me that, that makes the league a lot better because the focus starts to become more on that basketball IQ kind of side of things. So, do you think that that Steph Curry is is changing the image of the NBA for the eyes of many across the country? I do, and I think it's a lot been a lot more fun to watch. I, you know, I feel like there's been a, um, I, I don't know, I mean, maybe it's just the way I'm paying attention or whatever. But I feel like there's been a, a better uh, or a bigger commitment to defense, also. Um, even though these scores that we're seeing are still super high, I mean, I, you know, it seems like there's more of the evolution of the NBA game from to just straight up isolation to where there's a little bit more team play. So um, that and that's always been my knock on the NBA is that you you basically have only 24 seconds. So you you might run a quick set, maybe a quick transition kind of set, or and then you're going straight into some sort of isolation, uh, two man game, three man game, or whatever it might be. Uh, and that that to me just kind of takes the fun away from it because it stops being a team game at that time, at that point. You know, uh, I know we're bouncing around on topics, but that's what we do here on the weekend sports buzz. But Louisville. <laughs> talking sports. Yeah, as long as we're talking sports, we'll keep going with it. The Louisville Cardinals men's team 
um, has been moving the ball a lot better. I know that they haven't faced much competition, but even against Michigan State, this team passes the ball around a lot more so than they did last year. And when they had uh, Montrez Harrell, Terry Rozier, Chris Jones for much of the season, what do you think of this current Louisville men's basketball team? I think you got uh, you got two guys who, so far as fifth year guys, have exceeded at least my expectations, um, and they're not and they're doing it in a fairly unselfish way. And um, you probably had too many me guys on the Louisville team last year, and uh, and. With the uh, subtraction of at least one of those me guys before the end of the year, I think you saw how much better it got. Um, you know, had like a little addition by subtraction. I think you got rid of another me guy w- just from graduation, or not from graduation, but he left early to go to the pros. And um, and and I think you're seeing the benefit of that kind of team play evolve too. So I'm going to give credit where it's due. I did read the article on Courier Journal by Jeff Greer. But um, what he was researching was Trey Lewis's comments about passing the ball and how they supposedly yesterday, um, and I don't keep these statistics, but based on the statistics that the Louisville coaching staff keeps, Louisville didn't have a single contested shot yesterday, and they averaged eight contested shots per game last year. Uh, So, I mean, is is there anything to that, Mike? I mean, part of it's your playing, and part of it's, you know, the fact that Yes, the team. This team is playing together more and more. And you know what else? They had to figure it out because if we remember early on in the in the preseason, Trey Lewis and Damian Lee and Quentin Snyder all kind of figuring out how. Especially, you know, with Lewis and, and Snyder trying to figure out how they were going to fit in together, uh, was a point of contention. And and it looks like they've figured it out. And they're playing. They're playing really good basketball. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They're top twenty-five team. Um, I think that. Uh, you know, I still feel like they're fairly limited in what their on what their ceiling is. I mean, I don't think they're a Final Four team. Um, and, you know, could they sneak into the Elite Eight? Yeah, possibly, but they're probably a Sweet Sixteen team, and that's probably where they're going to sit. So, um, the matchup against Michigan State, I thought they they the thing about that is I thought they played really well defensively, and and the way they uh, have been able to take new guys and get them to buy in early defensively, and part of that's got to be Rick living with things that he might not be 100% okay with, but those guys have really made a commitment. And I think the the summer, going to Puerto Rico this summer, has definitely helped with that as well. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, what it, what are your thoughts on Kentucky's disappointing loss at Pauley Pavilion? Well, I think I kind of talked, we talked about it last week. I'm not surprised. Anytime this Kentucky team goes, no, let's not let's not pretend like UCLA is some kind of dog. I mean, this, they've got three McDonald's All-Americans on their team. They've got a, a talented roster um, without a question. And last year, their big issue was Bryce Alford trying to be a point guard when he wasn't really a point guard. And I thought he did a much better job of being a point guard as well as a scorer against Kentucky. And this is really my first time seeing him play. But I, I Kentucky's big guys are not very physical. So when they go against older big guys who are very physical, like a Parker, who is, you know, McDonald's All-American, was a, one of the top, what, 12 recruits when he came out a couple years ago. Um when you go up against guys like that and then they have a Jonah Bolden and they have a Thomas Welsh and, you know, they've got so much size and it's physical size, you know, I, I was I'm, I was waiting for something like that to happen. Um, 
And I think it ultimately will turn around to be a good thing for them to get them to buy into where they really need to go. Um, you know, that that team, it's, you know, has such a big – they have so much talent in the middle, but if they don't learn how to play at a big, at a big man's game where it's physical and you're going up against grown men now, not high school kids – it's gonna be. It was gonna be difficult for them. So, you know, and I've said like like I said last time. I think they're gonna have trouble with Shinanu, and I think they're gonna have trouble with any team that has size that has experience, especially the the size that has experience. So, I wasn't really that surprised. It was not fun to watch, but uh, you know, it is what it is. What What is your take on the college football from action from yesterday? We're up against the 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 hour break, but we'll do a little bit of a tease before we head to our eleven o'clock break. Well, I'm going to be really curious to see. I mean, obviously, we got an hour until the uh, until the four come out. I mean, is Michigan State going to? Um, it looks like Michigan State might jump Oklahoma. We're going to get an Alabama, Michigan State, Clemson, Oklahoma matchup. So just to, we know who the teams are going to be, but just to see how the they match those four teams up. But really. The rest of the power uh, of the New Year's six bowl games and, and how they go. Are we going to get three Big Ten teams in those out of those twelve teams? You know who's Houston going to play? Is Notre Dame still going to be there? Are we going to get a Notre Dame Florida State matchup um, in in the uh, Peach Bowl? All these kind of and then of course we got to find out where Louisville's going to go and where Western's going to go. Although it does look like Western could go is going to go to Miami, but then if they go to Miami. Western's going to play South Florida, going to go play Willie Taggart, who just got a five-year contract extension in South Florida. So much kind of cool storylines that happen in those bowl games. Um, I'm really excited just to see how those kind of shake out. But I want I definitely want to talk about that on the other end of the, of the break. Stay tuned. Mike and I will be back with more of the weekend sports buzz. Thank you, Trevor. Thank you, Trevor. I can talk to these guys I wish I had somebody talk to me. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. Myself, Kelly Patrick, alongside Mike Gandolfo this morning coming at you, as we always do, talking all things in the world of sports. Big day of college football yesterday, Mike. I know you were busy watching college football. What what stood out to you from yesterday? Not a ton of upsets regarding the BCF's playoff picture, but what were the main storylines coming out of yesterday in your eyes? Uh, that Clemson gave up 37 points to a terrible North Carolina team. Listen, I understand North Carolina's got one, had one loss going into that game, but you lost to South Carolina. And I don't care what happened, South Carolina lost to Kentucky at home. So you lose to a team like that, you're bad. And it just goes to, to me to show that they were able to pull off some some pull off maybe a couple of surprise wins, but the ACC, especially in that division, is not very tough. And they were able to you know, beat who was in front of them. And for Clemson to give up 37 points to a team like that, I think that shows that they might be a little vulnerable. Um, and hopefully not, though, because you know, out of all the teams that I like watching out of the, those top four, I really wouldn't mind seeing Clemson win the whole thing. You know, they're going to get either Oklahoma or Michigan State. Um, it would be very interesting to see them go up against a defense that that like Michigan State has. Um, I think Clemson would rather play Oklahoma. What do you think? 
Yeah, I'd say they'd rather face Oklahoma also. Um, it is a very interesting year, the way this is all shaken out. Um, but but I, I think it's clear clear who's going to be in the uh, in the BCS playoff picture, right? Is there a scenario, because Clemson didn't play great yesterday, although they, got, they scored some points, but they struggled early. And I guess Alabama struggled a little early too. Is there a scenario where Alabama jumps Clemson and is the number one seed? If you're Vegas, who are, who's going to have the best odds to win this thing? Golly, that's tough. I think it's a good year for that. Is what is what I'm learning and what I'm taking away from this. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking if, I, if Vegas is setting their odds, uh, which they will, I'm sure by twelve thirty or whatever after the everything's announced, I think they're going to have Alabama as the you know as the best odds to win this whole thing. Uh, and you and I, I think, both agree that that's always going to be the best determination of who should be number one in the country because those guys seem to get it right more times than not. Um, no question about it. Vegas knows more than we do. The Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line is 502-384-1450. We're going to head to the buzz line now. Sorry to interrupt you there, Mike. No problem. But we have our, our man, The Truth, on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Truth? All right. I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk about you tomorrow night. About, about uh, me? Yeah, yes. I when I uh, talk to Tom Clay on the radio tomorrow, I'm going to talk about OG about his uh, play in the Derby Classic. That's the one we need to show up. Uh-huh. He needs to show up. I'm tired of him. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. You know, he's still young, man, and, and and he was not. Let's not pretend like OG was a top hundred recruiter or anything like that. I mean, he was kind of somebody Tom Green found. And throughout the thing, and I think we, somebody like OG, you've got to give time. I mean, I don't think they, if they were expecting OG to step in right away and to give those those kind of solid minutes, I think that's probably unrealistic. I mean, it would probably be more realistic to get something like that out of Jawan Morgan than it would have been to get it out of uh, out of OG. Um, so, you know, and, and still, even with Jawan, it would not have been completely realistic either because Jawan was maybe barely a top 100 recruit um you know uh what do you feel about how you're what you're getting out of thomas bryant oh he's he's the real deal yeah <laughs> he's the only thing he need to do is rebounds more and stop shooting threes get his foot under the goal and start playing ball hey i got i got a question to throw about i know you who's number one right now i i, I just think it's uh still uh uh, Ohio State uh, should not be there, and I'm glad they ain't there. But Alabama's the team to beat. I mean, Kelly, can you disagree with that? Is Alabama the team to beat? No, I can't disagree with that. As much as they are believed to be, even though they're they're, they're probably the favorite, and I think that you're right, Mike. That's probably what Vegas will say. Uh, they're believed to have be down at some, you know, to an extent this year, right? I mean, yeah, to a certain degree, a- yeah. I'm gonna pick the sleep, but I'm gonna tell you who's going to win the national championship. They keep on overlooking them. It's Michigan State year. You know, I wouldn't be shocked by that by any means, truth. And but just to show what kind of football season we've had, and I guess we could say it last year. I mean, Ohio State's one loss last year was to a, a mediocre Virginia Tech team, and now Michigan State would have a loss to. Uh, did Nebraska is Nebraska going to be one of the five and seven teams like that gets a, that gets a bowl game? So they might Nebraska might be a bowl team, but they had a losing record. So, um, 
you know, Michigan State seems to find ways to win. I mean, no, look back to Michigan. You know, that was the craziest game of all time, uh, the way that thing finished, until we had the Packers and the Lions, I guess, the other night. So, um, Looks like we lost the truth there, but we appreciate you calling in. Oxmoor Chrysler, Dodge Jeep, and Ram Buzzline. It's 502-384-1450. It, it looks like both Schleback and Brett McMurphy are projecting that it'll be the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic will be Alabama versus Michigan State, and the Capital One Orange Bowl will be Clemson versus Oklahoma. Which means Michigan State would be three. So, um, so Clemson and Oklahoma, which I think that sets up really good for Clemson. Um, I would expect Clemson to win that game. And by the way, we, you know, speaking of Oklahoma, Oklahoma's one loss, of course, is to Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong gets another huge win yesterday by knocking off Baylor. Yeah, I don't know if you and Brian touched on that, or, or we didn't or mention that, but we were talking. And I spoke with Brian yesterday. We were talking about that big win for Charlie. How, how significant is that? Well, I think it just solidifies. I mean, when yes, he's only got five wins, and yes, they did not make a bowl this year, but. When you get two wins, the quality of beating Baylor and beating Oklahoma, uh, two of your biggest rivals, two of the, the games you have to have. I mean, we talked about being a big game coach. I think it shows that he's got things potentially moving in the right direction. And, and what, the more and more young players he gets in there that, that are his kind of guys, that are his people, uh, the better it's going to be. And it looked like, you know, obviously Miami didn't waste any time. They jumped on the Mark Richt. So the Miami conversations are, are dead now. Um, and so uh, I think we saw all that happening this week I don't think is any coincidence. Mark Rick gets hired by Miami. Texas kind of relaxes a little bit, and then they go out there and they and they beat a, a good Baylor team who knocked off TCU the week before. So, uh, Or did TCU knock off Baylor? No, it was close. I know it went overtime. So um, – Overall, I mean that's that's just a huge win for them going into their their next uh, their next off season and getting ready for next year. I mean, obviously he has to be a bowl team next year, right? I mean, there's no question about it. Or he's gone. He's definitely he's definitely going to be on the chopping block if he's not. So, would you put in some ways would you put him and Mark Stoops in a similar boat at a different, but obviously at a totally different level? Yeah, a different, completely different spectrum. But yeah, yeah. I would say so. Um, Stoops has an extra year on him, though, right? Uh, he does. Yeah, he had, he does have an extra year on him. So, so I mean, a, a little different, but but the expectations are so much higher. It's almost like comparing Charlie Strong at Texas football to, I guess, who Billy Gillespie at Kentucky basketball. That would be the better comparison. Well, it? yes, except for you know, I don't think anyone thinks that Charlie's a bad guy. No, and, yeah, yeah that, that's a bad comparison actually, in in most ways, because Charlie's known as being just the, the overall man of integrity. And um, so I, I, you're right. I shouldn't compare the two. But what I mean is that, you know, the pressure, the pressure right. from Texas football is uh, similar or maybe the same as that for Kentucky basketball. You have to win. You have to win yesterday. And, and, you, have to, and you have to handle the attention and the media and the, all that other stuff. There's a lot more that comes with it than just showing up for practice and coaching your team and coaching your games. True. But at the end of the day, you can get by if you somehow are just winning the big games. And now yeah. they've beaten two ranked opponents this year. So yesterday was huge uh, when making a, a boat of confidence for Charlie Strong headed into the offseason. And not even, not even you know, two ranked teams, but doesn't get bigger than Texas-Oklahoma as far as the college football rivalry. And then I, I would have to put that Baylor's probably right there 
you know, Baylor and TCU have probably um, solidified themselves as the, you know, the next kind of rivalry for Texas. So, um, but that's that's huge for them to be able to get that kind of stuff. And so, Baylor did lose on uh, last Friday, so a week ago they lost to TCU in over in two overtimes. Two straight losses, huh? For yeah. uh, for Baylor. Okay. Um, so now we're gonna figure out, you know, what what where does the playoff go after this, or what the rest of the the rest of the New York's New Year Six games are really important because let's say Notre Dame gets snubbed. Which I don't see how that happens. I think Notre Dame gets in. Notre Dame gets snubbed. Are they, are they sending the message to Notre Dame that Notre Dame needs to join a conference? Sure, I, I think that was sent. It'll be difficult to really uh, drive that into the people at Notre Dame, and until something like this happens, because revenue speaks in dollars right. and cents. That's what talks, and that's why Notre Dame hasn't joined a conference. But um, how much money will they be missing out on? From you know, if they were to have been in the ACC, they could have won that game yesterday, right? Who's that? If, if all right, let's imagine the, that the, uh, the conference championship game. Yeah, if Notre Abs- Dame, absolutely, they could have won that. If game. Notre Dame were in the ACC, which is in effect what they really are, yes, um, they could have they could have given a better shot than you would think than North Carolina, North Carolina, right? I mean, for, without a doubt. I mean, they play Clemson to on the road. They play uh, in a in a monsoon, they lost to Clemson by two um, already this year. So, I mean, I, they definitely would have had a, a real shot of winning that game last night. So we'll see if anything comes from that. I still don't see Notre Dame leaving their current situation. They make too much money from NBC. Now, and the one thing that they do miss out on is the, um, you know, when an ACC team goes to a bowl, so when Clemson goes to the Orange Bowl and gets that payout – it doesn't just go straight to Clemson. It actually goes to the ACC. And so Louisville gets part of Clemson's bowl money. Mm-hmm. So from a consistency standpoint, you know, from a, now Notre Dame goes to a bowl, Notre Dame gets their whole check, and they get their whole NBC check. But for those years where you take a lesser bowl or you don't get it there, you've got a little bit more stability, I guess, in your budget. But I don't think Notre Dame's hurting for money where that really comes into too much of a factor. So. Yeah, that's another variable. You're right, is that Notre Dame, it's not like they're not going to go bowling. Right, <laughs> they're still going to make money, and who knows? It, it, this is all very early in the the early stages of these this B, BCS playoff picture, where uh, maybe some of these non BCS uh, bowl games are going to make a lot of money. And I'm really hoping that we see Notre Dame take on Florida State in the Peach Bowl. Uh, I think they're probably going to get shipped out to the Fiesta Bowl, but. Okay. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, Louisville is sitting at a spot right now where three of their five losses are going to be playing in this, the six biggest bowl games. Wow. You know, when you get Houston's going to be in there, Florida State's going to be in there, and Clemson's going to be in there. Um, and, of course, everyone thought that Auburn had a real shot to be there um, and then just had a terrible season. So, um, you know, chewing that for a little bit, that's that's pretty impressive too where three of the five Louisville losses will be playing in New, York, New Year's six bowls. They're all pretty much in, I would think. I don't think maybe Florida State might be the only one that's iffy, but I think that that's probably going to happen. So, what do you foresee from this Louisville team in the bowl? I mean, they're talking about possibly Arkansas, possibly Tennessee. Uh, they're looking at the Music City, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. The Sun Bowl, I guess, is still potentially a, a, a landing spot. I don't think anyone knows for sure. The Sun Bowl is supposedly supposed to be a really cool 
experience out of as far as bowls go. But I, as a Louisville fan, that's on that's at two o'clock on December twenty sixth. The UK U of L basketball game is at noon on December twenty sixth. I don't think anybody would really uh, would really like that. And I'm sure with the UK U of L basketball game going on and the bowl game being in El Paso, Texas, I think that would really hurt their travel. Uh, well, they would travel to that bowl game. Um, but the past that, you're looking at, you know, if you can go to the Music City Bowl, take on a Texas A&M, take on an, an Arkansas, whoever the SEC team is that you're going to play, you got a chance to go up against another SEC West team and pull off. If you if you end your season by beating an SEC West team, that's pretty solid, right? I mean, that's that that you get those extra practices, you get a lot of momentum going into the spring. Um, that would be a huge get for them, and they're going to basically be able to do it with a home game because I would think that Louisville would travel to Nashville very well. Oh yeah, Nashville's right up the alley for a Louisville Bowl. I mean, that's perfect. Party Central. Um, only what two hours away? Now, just remember all those years that Kentucky was going to the Music City Bowl. Louisville fans were talking about how terrible of a bowl that was. So, just want to you know make sure that we're being fair because it is a good bowl. It's a really good bowl for everyone to go to. And uh, you know, you go down the games at night on December thirtieth. Maybe you stay in Nashville for New Year's Eve the next day. Make a make a long weekend out of it, and and it could be a lot of fun. And you know that's what Louisville fans are looking for. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. So, so that, that's right up the alley. And if they could, you're right. If they could win, if they could beat someone like Tennessee, I think against Tennessee, obviously, if they went against Arkansas, that there would be the Bobby Petrino storyline there. Both Slobach and uh, McMurphy right now are projecting Texas A&M and Louisville. Oh, that. okay. So, but I mean, would we see some points in that game? I mean, look at the offensive minds we'd have going there: Sumlin and Bobby Petrino going at it, and. And we could see some really creative offensive plays uh, in that game for sure. So putting a, a cap on this season for Louisville and a positive spin on it would be a big part of it. But uh, you know, tactically in game type strategy stuff, I would really be looking forward to how someone like Lamar Jackson would hold up against a, a team that we haven't seen before. I mean, he's looked so good recently, but he's a true freshman still. I mean, we can't get away from that, and he. Over the course of the year, he's had a one big game, and then he's just thrown a, a clunker in there. So, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how, how Bobby handles this. Do we know he's the quarterback? Yeah, Is there a controversy? I, I wasn't aware. I mean, he didn't start at the last game. He didn't start the last game. You're right. So, But but he, uh, he's the reason they won. No doubt no, about it. Nobody can fake yeah. a handoff and run to the sideline and up the field like that. Unless you're playing Kentucky, which every team that plays Kentucky can do that. So... That's that would be. I wonder my, how I would do against Kentucky if I just I got the ball. If you were running quarterback against Kentucky, you would have at least 150 yards because that's exactly what happens. But I mean, I'm not that fast. I'm wondering if I could see because I, I think I think <laughs> I think I can do a good fake fake handoff. Yeah, I think that's the that's the key. Those read option teams, Kentucky's inability, and that's why I'm just I'm cautioning. I, Lamar Jackson is an amazing talent. Okay, and he's got a bright future. I just I'm cautioning loyal fans to not get too hyped up about how he played against Kentucky because, honestly, Eastern Kentucky was able to do something similar to Kentucky based off how well they ran the ball. It is, And Eastern Kentucky fired their coach because their season didn't turn out the way they thought it was going to go. So just because he was able to do that against a totally deflated and terrible Kentucky team at the time 
do not put too much stock into that because the worst thing would be like, okay, yeah, now obviously Lamar Jackson's our quarterback, and that might not be the best solution going forward. I think you've got to trust what Bobby Petrino sees in practice and how they prepare, and he's going to make their decision. How do you make this decision? Is the decision solely based off your matchup that you get in the bowl game, or is it, or is part of it setting yourself up for how you wanted to go for spring and where it's going to go for the future? Well, I mean, going into the game against Kentucky, Bobby, I'm sure, had watched film, right? I would think so. And he knew that a mobile quarterback is what has given Kentucky the most fits this year, and he chose to start Kyle Bowen. Which is very interesting to me. I I was shocked. Yeah, I mean, I knew because he announced it early in the week that that's what was going to happen, but you're right. I I think even going into next year, I'm not sold on the notion that Lamar Jackson is going to be every week type option i don't think i, I don't know that kyle boland's the other option pat you know the the uh, and then who's the freshman there who's the new, the or the kid that got coming in recruit wise one pass yeah so, I, I don't know about him as a true freshman though so but he's he's definitely more of a passer than uh, lamar jackson is but it's college football and you can get by with almost gimmicky type stuff and bobby petrino has proven that he's not afraid to going to to that but this quarterback situation for Louisville, not only for the bowl game but beyond and into next season, is very intriguing to me. I mean, this is the most difficult schedule Louisville has had this past year in a long time, probably ever. Right? It's you. You only had six home games. We talked about that earlier on in the season. You know, so when anytime you only have six home games, it's going to make it tougher on you. And you just were singing the praises of how many of their opponents are going to play in New Year's Day bowls. Um, Lamar Jackson did, at the end of the day, break a lot of freshman records for quarterback. I, I mean, he he ran the ball at an unprecedented rate, and he did extremely well. And even passing wise, I think he did better than Teddy did as a as a freshman. Did you know that touchdowns? Yeah, but I, again, Teddy didn't really start coming around until his his sophomore seasons, where he started really throwing his numbers around. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, let's not get confused here, okay? We watch these two guys. Lamar Jackson is not Teddy Bridgewater. I know. I'm just talking okay. the, the, the the nuts and bolts of the season. At the end of the day, they had the toughest schedule they've ever had, and Lamar Jackson broke a bunch of freshman records, even though he didn't play. But what? What was it? Half the time? A lot of freshman records as far as like rushing and stuff like that. Rushing, but also passing type stuff. I mean, he, he have you seen to, or total offensive production numbers, which is what matters. Is it? I mean, I, I don't. I'm, I'm saying that is that more of a sign of the f- times of, of not having a very good running back and not having a good running game, and so that was your option as a playmaker. I mean, I, is it is it telling as far as how talented the kid is? I mean, I, obviously the kids have to as talent to do that, or is it more telling of where the holes were and how they had to fill those holes? It's got to be a combination of the two, and I have uh, a lot of uncertainty headed into next season. I, I personally, if I were the one making the decision, and thank God for Louisville fans that I'm not, um, I would keep doing the Bolin and Lamar Jackson combo, right? I think you cannot be a power with a combo. I think I, I do think that you're that I could be on board with if that's conventional if wisdom, have, sure. But I'm yeah. saying the best, the thing that'll be the best for this this team next year to try to win as many games as possible is, you know, do a 
extensive scouting report and determine whether Lamar or Kyle will be the, the best option and have Reggie somehow involved too. I know it sounds gimmicky and it, it historically doesn't work, but I honestly think that at this point, that's the best option for next year. So when you're, when you're looking at those things, are you looking at it as based on a year? And I, this is the same question I think we just asked about the bowl game. Do you just look at the bowl game as, as uh, on its own and pick the best quarterback for that bowl game and and whatever happens in the spring happens in the spring, and that's a wholly different thing. Or do you? So do you look at next season as like this is what's best for next season for us to have a winning season, but it might set us back as far as the progression of the program. You know, are we better off just saying, hey, this is where we're going, this is our path. You know, we believe that this guy will be our guy who leads us to where we want to be in the next three years, and we know that. Because of that, we're gonna have to go. We're gonna have to go through some growing pains to get to where we ultimately want to be. I think at the end of the day, you try to win this game. You try to win this bowl game, and you try to have the season, uh, in hindsight, look like a good season where you were eight. You finished eight and five, uh, and then next year you you address it, the issues as they arise. I think Bobby Petrino. Um, I guess we can look back to when was it when Brian Brom was a a, a freshman, and they didn't. Didn't they play him? His his uh, his first time was actually in the bowl game. Is that right? It very well could have been. I yeah. think that they they get they got they used it a little bit more um, contrary to what my point is. But I think that you try to win this game um, at all costs, and you appease the fan base. You you keep the the record looking good, and you go into next season because the ACC is proven. If nothing else, you know Clemson may not be the strongest team in the world, but they're number one. Right. So, I mean, this is not going to be an easy season next year for this Louisville, no. Louisville program. I think you try to win uh, at all costs in this bowl game, and and then you, you go into next season and you try to win every game. I mean, I know that's simple. It's coach speak. But, yeah, I don't think that you use this as an experimental. I don't know that Lamar Jackson's the option long term. Maybe he's the option at running back. Yeah, and maybe Juwan Passes is the guy. You know, and you just got to have a year to do whatever until Juwan Pass is ready. You know, I, and you're right. I mean, I – um, I don't know. I I I don't think they have the answer that they're looking for a quarterback yet. You know, so and and I'm my bigger concern for Louisville football going forward past this. They don't have a single running back. Um, I don't think on their commitment list, and they've got issues at running back. Yeah. Uh, what, what year's L.J. Scott? I, I don't have that information in front of me. But he's terrible. I mean, he's not, he's not any good. So it doesn't matter what year he is. He's not any good. I mean, if that's who you're depending on as your running back, it's not it's, – it's I mean, they don't – Brandon Radcliffe had a really nice game against Kentucky, but he, is, he had so much hype and promise going forward, and he has never – he just hasn't lived up to it. You see the glimpses. You see it happen every once in a while. But he—he's he, a senior, right? Did he graduate? If not, it seems like he's been there forever. And they just need—they need to have a consistent answer at running back. Because college football is still—you still have to have a solid running game to compete at the college football level. No question about it. Uh, Corvin Lamb's listed as a senior. Uh, let's see where Brandon Radcliffe is. He's, he's a junior. Brandon Radcliffe's listed as a junior. You're right. He's been there a long time. 
But so he'll have it, another year, and he's very talented. I think I could see him playing in the NFL. Okay, we've all seen those glimpses out of Brandon Ratcliffe where that happens. He has yet to show that he can do it consistently at all. True. But but he's also playing in an offense that is, um, I mean, let's just call it what it is, very unstable, right? You don't think if he was back in the Bobby Petrino days of, of the prior tenure at Louisville that, that Radcliffe would have thrived? I think if you if, if he was clearly the best option at back, you would see that develop on the field. Because what I do know about Bobby Petrino is that he knows how to get his guys that can make plays to put them in a situation to be successful. And that's, to me, the inconsistency of who that guy's been is their biggest issue. They've been doing stuff like putting Reggie Bonifant back there for carries. You and know? at some points, he's been the best running back option they've had. I mean, yeah. there's definitely been flashes where that's looked like the best. But he's long-term, is that his answer? Or is he going to be like always kind of a slot guy? He's he just... Gets- like Randall Cobb kind of. Yeah, great question. He's a sophomore, so we got two more years of Reggie Bonifant. Uh, we got three more years probably. I mean, I don't see Lamar Jackson leaving early. He's not a yeah, he's not an NFL guy. So. No, not at quarterback. No, yeah, definitely not a quarterback. Maybe if he switches to another position. I don't know. He looks like he may be just the fastest guy to ever play football. <laughs> right? Uh, okay. <laughs> I, am I wrong? Who's faster than him? He's Ever. fast, but I don't want to put him in that kind of. Uh, I hate to use hyperbole, but I mean, um, so I, is he, I mean, is he, he would smoke Deshaun Jackson or Deion Sanders in their prime. Is he like uh, the 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 Denard Robertson type uh, going forward? I don't know that he even has the, the. Just being honest, the arm that Denard had. That is very true. He does not. I'm I mean, just being. I hate to to throw shade at him, right? Right. He he does throw. He has a very strong arm. I can't, I need to uh, specify. He has a extremely strong arm. Brian pointed out a few months ago <laughs> that yeah he can throw it. What he has a video of him throwing it ninety yards. Um, but the, the the objective of offense is on in football is to throw it and have your team you know someone on your team catch it. And I don't know how good he is at that. Denard Robinson was playing in that Rich Rodriguez offense, wasn't he? Yep, and and I, I don't think that that's. Well, exactly. then, uh, well, then he finished up though under yeah. Oak, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right because yeah. Rich, Rich left. Um, but um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It'll be very interesting. I don't know how. If are we playing the hits right now by talking about Louisville football? Because that's what Dugan wants us to do is play the hits. Well, I mean, it's definitely relevant right now. I mean, we're or do we need to go all play. college basketball? And, uh, you know, we definitely can do that, too, because the college basketball season is shaping up where it's going to be a wild ride. You know, there does not seem to be one team that wants to be the dominant number one team in the country. Um, you're going to – it seems to me like there's going to be just – I wonder how many teams will go into – What? Do you, I wonder what the best record – or what the record for the number one overall seed will be going into March Madness. Because I could see that team having five, six losses um, and being the number one overall seed. I mean, I, I, I feel like that there's so much parity right now in college basketball. And, um, and I, you know, I just don't feel like there's a whole lot of really good strength at the top of the, of the, of the heap. At the same time, if LSU figures it out, I mean, they're, they're a perfect example. LSU's gotten off to a terrible start. But Ben Simmons is putting up numbers that are unheard of, you know, scoring 43 points in a game and 
you know, bringing down 20-something rebounds and just doing it all. Um, if Blakeney and and Sampson and all those guys kind of figured out how to play with Ben and, and put LSU on the market, they could, they could make a run, um, you know, but then they could also lose to – yeah, yeah, is Johnny Jones the most overrated or, or um, uh, underperforming coach in the country? I mean, he's got so much talent, and um, you know, you, you getting the talent is definitely one part of it, and then what you do with it is the is the other part of it. But last year they were super talented. They kind of they what they were in the eight nine game. I know with North Carolina State, they probably they were winning most of that game. They lost in overtime. You know, what's the what is what's the expectation, I guess, for LSU basketball? You know, is it kind of like Kentucky football where really all they got to do is be entertaining? and Except they happen to bring in some of the top recruits in the country year in, year out. Some great guys. I yeah, mean, so they, the expectations are through the roof when you can do that. We're, we're close. To, sorry to interrupt you there. We're close to a break. I want to encourage our listeners to give us a call on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line 502-384-1450. Before we head to our break, we got somebody on the, the buzz line with us now. How you doing this morning, caller? Are you there? Okay. So, how do you think the women will play against Kentucky this week? Oh, okay. Great question. Thank the you. The women? Yeah, thank you very much for the call there, uh, caller. Um, we're going to recognize that voice, by the way. Okay. The, uh, um, the, I'm actually going to that game, by the way. Wow. Thursday night. I'm excited. Going to the UK-U of L women's game in Rupp. And uh, I think it's going to be good. Lord was kind of trying to... We're struggling a little bit right now to find to find their identity. Um, they've lost um, four games so far, back to back games to Purdue and Dayton recently. Dayton's not a bad team, but then they got the big win against Michigan State right after the Louisville, Louisville's men lost to Michigan State. Um, I I think Kentucky's probably going to win, but this game is always so close and so much fun to watch. Uh, it seems to me like the last couple five years they've played, it's gone down to the wire. So um, I'm hopeful for a Kentucky win. And that, right now, Kentucky does seem like they're probably a shade better than Louisville in women's basketball. What what day is that? Is that Wednesday? Uh, Thursday. And you're going to the game. I am. Yeah. So women's basketball, you know, it's it's not the most popular topic during the season, but increasingly, each and every year, when it comes tournament time. We give a lot of attention to both Louisville and women's, Louisville and Kentucky women's basketball. We got the two, I think, perfect coaches for both those teams, um, in in place. You know, Matthew Mitchell is is doing a great job, and Jeff Walls is doing an incredible job at Louisville. And both those programs, when you and I were younger, were terrible. And yeah, now they're they're actually you know consistently ranked and one of the best teams in the country. We're going to head to our our last break of the show. Be sure to stay tuned. Mike and I will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. I know you got you another man, but I can love you better than him. Take my hand. Don't be afraid. I want to prove every word I say. 